I've been doing a lot of studying, a lot of listening to stuff. The number one question, I know this is crazy, that most ministers ask, get asked about heaven, is do my pets go to heaven? So we are going to talk about that. But you know what? We're going to talk about heaven next week. So we'll bring that up next week. Amen? Because uh, I, I figured, you know, when you start talking about we're going to talk about where we're going to be in eternity, a lot of people don't even want to hear the word hell. And so a lot of people deny the existence of it. But we're going to show you in the word of God today that hell exists. Amen? Eternity exists. So let's just pray over the word. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We love your word. And I thank you, Father, for revelation knowledge that flows in this place. I thank you that you open up our eyes and that we see the truth and that the truth sets us free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, you know, I had so much stuff. It was just, it was just so hard. I could probably preach on this for three hours. So, so I'm having to cut everything down. So if um, we'll just see where the Holy Spirit takes us. Amen. I said, Lord, I get all this stuff, but you're just going to have to take us somewhere. So <clears throat> anyhow, we've been talking about living for eternity. If you haven't been here, if you were not here last week, um, <clears throat> you need to get that app. Because when you die, you do not cease to exist. You do not just like go to sleep and you're gone forever. Ethel's gone. She disappeared. We're, you know, that doesn't happen. When you're born, you're going to live forever. Amen? That's how God created us. He created Adam and Eve to live forever. And God wanted a family. He wanted a fellowship with us. And so uh, I just want you to understand that. And you, you can listen to uh, last week's message. It talks a lot about that. But where we go, there are places in eternity, and where we go in eternity, we choose right here. You choose before you die. You don't get a second chance after you die. There is no holding place that somebody can pray you out into heaven or into hell. I don't know if anybody would want to pray you into hell, but anyhow, <laughs> we can't pray you into heaven. <laughs> So there is no holding place. If you were, you know, just go ahead and, and listen to last week, okay? Because a lot of people, listen to me, you can, you can have your opinion. You can choose to believe whatever you want to believe, but that does not change what the word of God says. And honestly, if you don't believe in hell, then you can't believe in heaven either. They're both in the book. They're both in the book. It's a tough message I'm going to talk about this morning because we're talking about hell. And I believe it was a tough message for Jesus to talk about. But Jesus did preach about hell. Jesus actually preached about hell 33 times. He talked more about hell than he did about heaven. That's pretty amazing. And I believe he did it because he didn't want anyone to go there. Amen? And we're going to see what hell was originally created for. It was not created for you and I. So why did he do that? Why did Jesus preach so much on hell? He had to have been filled with compassion to keep people from going to that difficult place. Amen? The Bible talks about hell 167 times. 
167 times, yet many theologians, and this is crazy, many theologians, many pastors, many denominations are distancing themselves from hell today, even denying the existence of it. You know, the Bible, the word of God is forever settled in heaven, and nobody can change what God has put in his word. Amen? You can go, a lot of people, honestly, they hear this message, and there's so much out there in the internet now. You can look for books, you can look for videos, and you can try to, oh, I'm going to unprove hell. Well, you can do that all you want, but listen, to answer a biblical question, you have to get your answer in the Bible. Amen? In a recent survey, survey, many people said that they do not believe in a literal hell. As a matter of fact, in the survey, 35% of Baptists, 54% of Presbyterians, 58% of Methodists, and 60% of Episcopalians do not believe in a literal hell. That does not mean that it doesn't exist, because it does exist. The Bible talks about it 167 times, and Jesus preached 33 messages on hell that we know of that we have recorded in Scripture. Here is an alarming statistic that I heard in a study that 71% of students in the eight, in the eight leading seminaries preparing for ministry in the United States do not believe in the little hell or heaven. You cannot, you don't have to believe it. Nobody's going to force you to believe it. But it's in the Bible, and it's true. And if you believe there's a heaven, and if you believe Jesus went to the cross, and if you believe your sins have been covered in the blood of Jesus, then you got to believe in hell, because that's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he died such an awful death. That's why he went into hell for three days and three nights and pardoned us. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Amen? We're going to look at Luke chapter 16, where Jesus tells us about hell. But I need to tell you something about this passage before we read it. And let me just, I need to pull my scriptures up here for a second. Here we go. And that is that many people don't understand this passage here is a true story. Even I thought it was like a parable or a simile or something like that. But it, it is actually, if you listen to all the theologians that have studied it in the past, it is actually a true story. This is, this is true, what Jesus uh, tells us here. And here are some of the reasons why we know it's true. It doesn't say, and he spoke this parable to them. And if Luke 16 talks about different parables, which it does, and even has a parable at the beginning of the chapter, by the time you get to this story, it's not a parable. It's also not a, a simile, or however you pronounce it, that Jesus isn't, in other words, Jesus isn't saying it, it is like this, or it is like that. He's telling us a true story, and we know it's true because of a couple of things. First of all, he says there was a certain rich man this word certain means individual or specific. There was an individual specific rich man. I'm telling you right now that he also says there was a certain beggar. Now listen to what he says. 
And uh, he says this beggar is named Lazarus. This isn't the same Lazarus that was raised from the dead. Lazarus was more like a common name in those days, like John or Jim or, or Joe today. Amen? So Jesus wasn't making up, his, making up a name. So let's, go, let's get started. Let's, let's read. Um, let's start with Luke 16, 19. And it says, there was a certain rich man, notice a certain rich man, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Now, now remember, Jesus is talking here, and he's telling this story. This is not just something that was put in there or just kind of like, you know, like the disciples talking. Jesus is talking. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores. Now let's look at verse 22. It says, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, let's stop for a moment here. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking about Abraham. Was Abraham not a real person in the Bible? He was a real person, right? He's talking about real people. Verse 23. And being in torments in Hades, and Hades is the Greek word for hell. You know, it's amazing, you know, you, you, you see hell in, the, in, in many instances in the Bible, but you see it as in Sheol or you see it in Hades. You, you see the different names of hell. I, I don't understand these translators. You know, it, it, it's like if the Bible was, um, had to be translated in Spanish, it was all in Spanish, but they translated it all in English, but they left agua in there instead of water. <laughs> so they leave Sheol or... or, or, or Gehenna, all, the, all of these different things, Hades and so forth. So in, in being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now I want you to remember the word torment because a variation of that word is in this passage four times, okay? It says being in torments at the beginning of that scripture. In Hades, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in, in his bosom. He goes on and uh, let me just read it here. What scripture was I on? I got a lot of notes on here. Verse 22, verse 23, verse 24. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Now here it is again. There's another word, tormented. I am tormented in this flame. Okay, so this is hell. They just, uh, you know, I just showed you, you know, Hades is the Greek word for hell. So he lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham, a real person, far off. And last week, remember when, when Peter saw uh, Moses and Elijah on the mount? Remember I, I, I brought out different people that were saw afterwards? Was, well, he's looking up at Abraham, and Abraham is a real person. And he's looking, and, and, and he's saying, he saw him afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send 
Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. Here is the second time we see a variation of that word in this, of, of torment, tormenting, tormenting, amen? Of torment. So let's go down to verse, um, verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus received evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then in verse 27 he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. There's another variation of the word torment. He's, he's being tormented in many different ways. He's, he's thirsty. He wants you to dip the tongue uh, dip the finger, his finger in some water. He's tormented that his brothers don't know. He's tormented in so many different ways here. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, but he said to them in, in verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now, something you have to know here, okay? Moses and the prophet, the New Testament wasn't, wasn't given out yet. It was, always, it was the Old Testament. That was their Bible. And that's why he's saying, send, send Moses and the, and the prophets. But he said to him, that, but, but the answer was that in verse 31, uh, but he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuade it, though one rise from the dead. Well, how many of you know that Jesus is risen from the dead? But he wasn't at that, at, at that point. So a few things I want to tell you about this. Jesus is talking, and the first thing I want you to know is this scripture right here should end every debate on the existence of hell. I mean, this is a true story. This is a story about Lazarus. It's a story about Abraham. It's a story about, you know, they, they were not in heaven yet. Even Abraham, even the saints of old could not be in heaven yet because Jesus hadn't gone to the grave yet. Jesus hadn't paid the price yet. So there was no way that they, they, were, they were in a holding place, but there was a chasm between them and those that were in hell, those that denied God, those that walked away from God. Amen? So, it, you know, so many people, they, they, they look at this and they think it's a parable. And I'm telling you, it is not a parable. It's a story that Jesus was telling. Nobody could get into heaven yet until Jesus paid the price. You and I, I love the song about the blood because the blood talks about what happened at the cross. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, it was, it's not just a story thing. It's not just a play thing. You and I, all those saints of old, were held in a place. They could not get into heaven until Jesus went to the cross. When he went to the cross and he paid the price for our sins, he took their, without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins. And I'm not going to go into teaching that right now. 
But, she, but somebody had to pay the price. In the Old Testament, they used to, every year, they b would bring uh, a lamb without spot, without wrinkle. They would, they, they, this, this perfect little lamb, they all had to be perfect. And they were sacrificed every year. And then the, their sins would be washed away for a year and have to come back the next year. That's just a, a quick summary. But Jesus did this once and for all. He, that's why he's called the perfect lamb of God. And he went and he paid the price once and for all. He sacrificed his blood. He went, but he, wasn't, he hadn't done this yet. Amen? So he was telling this story. So I want to give you three things that happens to a person when he goes to hell. And just to back up a little bit, if you believe that Jesus did that for you, then the Bible says that you believe in your heart, you confess with your, mind, you, your mouth, you shall be saved. People have to be saved. People get confused, and they think the whole world is just going to go to heaven. Oh, God's, God's merciful. God is merciful, but God is just. And, he, and, and the Bible talks about in Isaiah uh, uh, where hell has had to enlarge itself. And I'm going to read that scripture to you in just a few minutes. Because people have rejected God. Satan and, his, and a third of the angels, he convinced a third of the angels to rebel against God, a God of love. How would you like it if people were forced to love you? The greatest gift that God ever gave you and I was a gift of free choice. Amen? Free will. You get to choose to love God. You, would you like to, uh, you know, if you married somebody that was forced to love you, that wouldn't be any fun, wouldn't it? Or maybe that you were forced to love. Well, Satan wanted to take over heaven. He deceived a third of the angels. He, they, they were all cast to the earth. Amen? I can just see God just throwing a fastball. Amen? Uh, you're out of here. But people, and, and people, so people on the earth were, they, they were given a free choice. And we're going to see many didn't choose God. But I want to give you three things that happens to a person when he goes to hell that Jesus talked about here in this portion. Number one, he desires, what happens when a person goes to hell, he desires comfort. He said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, that I may cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. There is going to be flames in hell, and there is going to be torment. Jesus said it over and over. Just look up what torment means. There's a lot of definitions about this, and I kind of put, put them aside. I'm not going to bring them all up. But, but hell, and you've got to remember that hell was not created for you. I'm going to read a scripture uh, in, in Isaiah, chapter 5. And um, he's, I'm going to read uh, verse uh, 1 through 4. This is a, this is a, um, a long uh, portion of scripture, but it's important. So why don't you follow along with me? They have it up there. He says, this is, this is the prophets, and it, he says, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard, 
What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought, forth, it brought it forth wild grapes. Now skip down to verse 11. It says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflames them. And the harp and the vial, the tabret and the pipe and wine are in feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall descend into it. Hell, because so many people have rebelled against God, so many have turned against God, so many have chosen to live the life that they want to live, hell has enlarged itself. It, it, it had to be enlarged to fit everybody in there. Amen? This shows us that because man decided to follow Satan, the hell had to be enlarged. It was enlarged by necessity and not by design. God is a good God, and everything, James 1.17 says, everything good comes from God. And that's why Jesus ministered on hell many times. This is just one story. That's why he talked about it, because he did not want any, anybody to go there. Amen? Let's look at Matthew 25, 41 for a minute. You see, your goodness can never get you into heaven. And this is what messes up man. There are, there are people in churches all around the world that are feel like they're good and by their works and they're a good wife, they're a good husband, they're a good mom, they're a good dad, they go to church, they don't lie, they don't steal, they don't, you know, that's a lie right there. But anyhow, you know, because we're all sinners, there's no way our goodness cannot, all of those saints were in that holding place until Jesus went to the cross. When he went to the cross, then we have a choice. The Bible says you, we have to confess it with our mouth and believe it in our heart. Amen? That Jesus is Lord. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verses, uh, verse 41. It says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for who? The devil and his demons. Hell was never prepared for us. It was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his demons when the devil was thrown out of heaven. But we choose. The Bible says Satan is the god of this world. He's a god. Which god will we serve? And we, so, so we choose who we serve. Amen. John 14 said that in verses 1, I think, through 3, it says, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He talks about heaven. He is preparing a place for us, and we're going to talk about that next week. I've been, I've been you know, actually, this is what, what um, inspired me. I, you know, I felt from the Holy Spirit to preach this series. It was more about heaven. I started to get excited about 
heaven the more I started uh, I studied on it and people said oh I don't care as long as I escape hell no you need to know what's happening you need to know about heaven amen hallelujah so so in this in this portion of scripture number one man desires uh, comfort number two he expresses concern he immediately says please send my brothers to my father's house I have five brothers every person will have this thought at some point if they die and they go to hell, they're going to be thinking, I hope my kids don't come here. I hope, I hope my husband doesn't come here. I hope my mother doesn't come here. And then they're going to, and then they're maybe going to think like this guy, you know, about sending somebody. They're going to be thinking, well, you know, maybe Matt will tell my family or, 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 or maybe, maybe Sue will tell my family or, or, or maybe uh, uh, Jojo will tell my family or, or maybe somebody will tell my family. And then they'll think, well, why would they tell my family? Because they never told me. Every person will desire comfort, and they'll express concern. Think about this for a minute. Think about you're driving down the street, and your next-door neighbor, or maybe two houses down, you see a fire coming out of the second-floor windows. You see fire coming out of the roof. Would you not stop and run in and tell those people there's a fire? If you didn't see any fire engines, you didn't see nothing, all you saw was a fire, would you not see if somebody was home? Would you not? Would anybody do that? Would you not run in? Well, their houses may not be on fire, but there are people in those houses that are on fire. And if hell doesn't do anything for you today but to inspire you or move you to tell somebody, listen, I believe this coming a great move of God, so it's already, it's, it's stirring. And people say, well, we're already in a move of God. we got to confess. But I'm talking about, listen, when, when, when I got saved, and I'm going to show you a video here, video here in just a second. When I got saved, the preacher, he preached, it was on end times more so, but he didn't really talk a lot about hell. But I got a revelation of it so quick. And when there's a move of God, people start catching things by the Spirit quicker than they ever have. We, you know, we want to teach everything. We want to break down. We want to have precept by precept. We want to, we want to really help people to understand the Word of God. But, but that when I got saved, I knew that hell was real, and I knew that heaven was real, and I, and you can bet that I went and told everybody. There was no, there was no shyness. There was no. Oh, they're going to think, they did think I was crazy, but it didn't bother me. I didn't even care. I didn't even like, didn't even make a dent. But telling them, having my mother scream in my face, I'm saying, what are you talking about? Thank God she got saved. She's in heaven. Going to tell my, 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 even, even my, my, my Jewish dad. I knew when God caused me to find him that that was the reason to bring them the gospel, to bring them the good news. Everybody has to know. Going into my jobs, I was telling everybody, they, I, I was working a banquet, and I remember the bar to, the girl was bartending, and, and I was telling everybody they need to be saved, and she said, come here. She said, what do we need to be saved from? 
And you got to understand, I didn't have, this is the thing, we try to have all of these, um, what do you call it, etiquette. <laughs> Let's have etiquette when we tell people about Jesus. Let's be harmless as doves and wise as serpents. How's that, get, how's that doing for you? So she pulls me out. She said, saved from what? And I said, hell. <laughs> You're going to hell without Jesus. And she was like, I mean, everybody was like, they just thought I was like that, something that came from Mars. <laughs> you, you know, let me tell you something. God is so good. I'm just going gonna, gonna to interrupt a little story here for a minute. I got an eight-minute video I have to show you. That's just going to confirm a little bit of what what we're talking about. But this is on the sidetrack, and maybe I'm supposed to share it. But I remember, you know, you heard my story. I got delivered from drugs and so forth. But somebody, my friends would come by. I worked at a, a at a car rental place at the airport in the day, and I worked at at, at a, a resort area at night. And my friends were always coming by, dropping off bones, even after I was saved. I was like, you know, I don't need that, I don't need that. And, well, one night I'm driving home in the desert from work at about 11 o'clock at night, and I remembered that I had some somewhere in my purse or whatever, wherever I had it, and I thought, ah, what's, what's a couple of hits going to be, right? So I pull that out, and I, and I take a hit. I'm in the desert. There's no lights. There's no highway. It's like Route 60, the old Route 66. And uh, it's about a 10-mile 10 10 mile ride, right, back to the city from where I worked. And all of a sudden, this is before, this is right before I met Pastor Ed, all of a sudden, this big light in the sky comes shooting down, I mean, a big ball of fire. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to smoke again. I'm just crying. I'm like, I'm sorry, God. I'm never going to. And I go home, and my dad's sitting in the chair, and I go, you won't believe what happened to me tonight, you know? And, and you know, and he's like, and he's like, have you seen the news? And it was an asteroid or whatever, it, whatever it was, and it was all over the news that it, it, had, got, it had come down in the desert. But I'm telling you, God has perfect timing, right? <laughs> If we all could just believe God that way, if we could all just believe the Bible and quit like, oh, well, I don't know what, you know, can't you believe that hell is real and the world is, is on a spinster going to hell? And we're called to tell the world. Here's number three. So he, wa he was concerned for his family. Here's number three, and then I'm going to show you a video. He seeks consolation. Here's what he said. He tries to tell himself if somebody would go from the dead, if somebody would rise. He's, he's trying to console himself. He's saying, I'm sure that they would believe. Amen? And so there, there's, there's this story. I encourage you to go, go and, and read it and because, honestly, we could teach weeks and weeks on hell. I think Pastor Mike's teaching the youth. Uh, are you on hell or something? I heard that. So, but um, it's just you could go on and on. And 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 I want to get to heaven. 
I want to get to the judgment seat of Christ. I want to get to the great white throne judgment. You need to know about these things. Listen, you know, when you know about things, you can, these things, you can say, oh, death, where is your sting? You know, we have the victory. We don't have to be afraid of death. You're going to find out. I'm going to answer a lot of questions next week. You're going to be known as you're known in heaven. It's really, there's a, there's a lot of things that we're going we're gonna to look at. But I want you, um, I'm going to show this video. It's eight minutes long. I, it's the shortest one I could find by Bill Weiss. And honestly, if you can uh, get some of his books on this or listen to him, he's very, very good. He's had, he had an experience um, where he came. He had an out-of-body experience where he went to hell. And it kind of, it, it goes along, uh, along a lot with this uh, portion of scripture. Amen? So let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's show that. On November 23rd, 1998, I had an experience that truly changed my life. Now, it doesn't matter if you believe my experience. What matters is that you check out what the Word of God has to say about hell and avoid it just the same. This was not a near-death experience. This was actually an out-of-body experience that would be classified as a vision in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul, when he was caught up into heaven in a vision, he said whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. Now, my wife and I had attended a prayer meeting every Sunday night. We came home from this prayer meeting, went to bed like any other normal night. Now, I had never studied the topic of hell at this point. I have never gone to dark movies. I've never drank. I've never taken drugs. And I never had a vision before. And I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning just to get a glass of water. And suddenly, I was pulled out of my body, like being drawn up out of your body. And I found myself falling through the air down this long tunnel. And it was getting hotter and hotter. And then I landed on a stone floor in an actual prison cell in hell. Rough-hewn stone walls, bars, filthy, stinking, dirty prison cell, but like a dungeon. And I wondered, how did I get here? Why am I here? I was fully awake and cognizant. I looked up and I saw these two enormous beasts in the cell, these demons, reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all over the one's body, huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long, and they were pacing in this cell like a vicious, caged animal. And they had the most ferocious demeanor about them. They had an extreme hatred for God. They were blaspheming and cursing God. And then they had this hatred they directed towards me. The one picked me up, threw me into the wall of this prison cell. I hit the wall. I felt like bones had broken. Even though a spirit doesn't have bones, it felt that way. I collapsed on the floor, and I wondered how could it be alive through this? The other demon picked me up, dug his claws in my chest, and just tore the flesh open. I couldn't believe I was surviving this. How could I be alive through this? I noticed I had a body. Remember Luke 16, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He had a mouth to speak and so forth. But this body withstands the torments. And I noticed, though, there was no blood or water coming from the wounds. But Leviticus 17:11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And there's not one drop of water in hell. And these demons have no mercy over you whatsoever. They have an extreme hatred for you. Now about this time it went dark. I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see. But then he withdrew his light and it resumed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. I mean, you could not see the hand in front of your face. While I was taken out of this prison cell, I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire that was actually about a mile across with flames raging high up in this open cavern. And this is where I could first see people. 
there were thousands of people inside this pit screaming and burning. It was so horrendous to see a person on fire. They just looked like skeletons. And the screams were so loud and deafening. You want to get away from the screams, but you can't. Now, I understood I was down deep in the earth. I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. And I understood there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. But there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Any area is far worse than you can imagine. I wanted to talk to a person, but you're kept isolated and alone for all eternity. You never, ever get to be with people. For all eternity, you're kept by yourself. You know, I thought about my wife up on the earth, and I understood I'll never get to say goodbye to her. You don't realize how tormenting of a thought that is. You know, I'll never get to be with my wife, enjoy her, hold her, and uh, to not have any finality with your loved ones is extremely tormenting that for all eternity, she'll never know that I still exist, that I'm down deep in the earth. You know, death does not mean cease to exist. Death means separation from God. You still exist. And I just missed her so much, I wanted to be with her so much. And the stench in hell is so foul and putrid, the worst, like the worst open sewer you can ever imagine. And the demons themselves have a disgusting foul odor to them and the smell of burning sulfur. So you have to fight for even the tiniest bit of oxygen. You're, you don't ever get to go to sleep. You're completely exhausted and you never ever get to go to sleep. You're hungry, you never get to eat. You're thirsty. Remember the rich man in Luke 16 wanted one drop of water to cool his tongue. Well, you never get that drop of water. The fear level that you experience in hell is so far beyond anything you can imagine. And I know something about fear. I was attacked by a 10-foot tiger shark, pulled down under the water. Well, that fear that I felt at that moment paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. I saw maggots crawling all over everything and snakes, demons that were only two and three feet tall, uh, some were larger, twisted, deformed, grotesque. When I was looking at all this horror, something began lifting me up this dark tunnel. And then suddenly this bright light appeared. I knew immediately who it was. And I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. He said, I am. When he said that, I went out. I passed out and I don't know if I died, but he touched me when I came it was at his feet that I realized that if he wouldn't have gone to the cross I would be in that place for all eternity Man, I was so grateful for the cross I just want to thank him over and over and over I didn't want to ask him any questions but thoughts started coming to my mind and he would answer my thoughts and there was eight different things that he answered for me but I'm just going to share two of them with you one is I thought Lord why did you send me to this horrible place he said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. The second thing was uh, the hopelessness. You see, God blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. He hid that fact from me. Many scriptures in the Bible that point that out, but he hid it from me for this reason. You see, if I was there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't realize, I would have known, praise God, he's getting me out of here. But as an unsaved person, he wanted me to experience what they feel hopelessness and you don't know what it's like to be absolutely hopeless for all eternity you understand you're never ever going to get out of this place there's not going to be anybody come rescue you you'll never get out that's the worst part of hell understanding you're never going to get out you know the most important aspect of this vision that Jesus shared with me was a piece of his heart he allowed me to feel a little bit of what he feels the anguish 
he feels for a soul going into hell, the great love he has for people. It was so overwhelming, I couldn't even bear to stand to feel even a piece of it. But Ephesians 3.19 said, his love passes knowledge. But the reason hell is so horrible is because it's a place absent from God's goodness and his attributes. You know, all good comes from God, James 1.17 states. And he withdrew his goodness because it was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for man. But if man rejects Jesus, there is no other place for him to go. Please hear me. You do not want to experience hell for even one minute, much less than an eternity. But one second after you die, it'll be too late. You will not get a second chance. Because God loves us, He gives us a free will to choose. Please investigate the scriptures for yourself so you can find the truth and avoid this place at all costs. Pretty powerful, isn't it? And in Luke chapter 14, 23, Jesus said this. He said, the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. One translation says, and urge and constrain them to yield them. One, one translation says, if you even bribe them to come in so that my house may be filled. Compel, 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 compel. Listen, folks, like he said, one minute after you're gone, there is no. And thank God, if I had to be so good to get to heaven and do everything right, I would have never made it there, and neither would you. But thank God Jesus did it for us. He did it for us. And I'm going to close with this. I, I wanted to read this. I didn't ask the team to sing it this morning, but, but all the time I'm studying, I, I just kept thanking, thanking him for the blood because without the blood, neither you or I would be on our way to heaven. And the, and the word, the, 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 these, this is some of the, 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 um, the verses in the song. It says, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. How many people do you know that are running out of time? Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. These are things that we read this morning, the chasm. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. See, you're in the sight of God. He's the one that's drawing you. He's the one that's, that's drawing people. He's holding us in, our, our, in his sight. So you made a way across the great divide and left behind heaven's throne, talking about Jesus, to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt that I owed. You broke my chains. You freed my soul. For the first time, I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. You brought me from the darkness into the glorious light. And the, and the rest of the song, if you sing the song, you, it talks about the, the death has no sting. Listen, maybe you're here today, and it's just been church and religion to you. Listen, it's about relationship with Jesus. You got to ask him into your heart. You got to surrender your life to him. He changes everything. It's only good. It's only good. There is not going to be any parties in hell. 
In fact, if you study the scripture, you won't even be able to see the hand in front of your face in hell because it has such darkness. There is no light in hell. And you know why? Because the light will be in heaven. The light is Jesus. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never surrendered your life, maybe you've never asked Jesus, maybe you just learned a lot about this religious stuff, well, this is your chance. This is your opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. It's so easy. It's so simple. But it changes everything. God did not make it hard. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment, and I'm going to say this prayer. And if you've never received Jesus, I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and receive him into your heart this morning. Say this prayer with me if you want to receive Jesus. Let's all say it together. Heavenly Father, I come to you now, and I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins, to take my place, to pay my debt. Jesus, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that you died, you rose again from the dead, and I receive you today as my Lord and as my Savior. I thank you that you have forgiven me of every sin I surrender my life to you today, and I call you Lord. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, or maybe you said it before and didn't mean it, I'm telling you, you're born again. You just moved. You just moved from darkness to light. You just moved from hell to heaven. Amen. Right now, God, is, God looks at you as if you've never sinned, just as if you've never sinned. Amen? He looks at you through the blood of Jesus. Amen? I hope you got something out of this this morning. And um, <clears throat> if not, come back to the next service.